Welcome to Breakpoint. I'm Gil Gross with Alex Gruskin. This is the show where we break down and dissect every single episode of the Netflix tennis docuseries. We did episode zero where we hadn't watched any of it yet. This is episode one entitled Maverick. It covered Nick Kyrgios and Tanasi Kokonakis. Of course, there uh, there will be spoilers, although this is one of those things that, I don't know, uh, it's kind of hard to spoil this because if you watch tennis, especially, um, if you don't watch tennis, then then you might actually have been watching in suspense, like who the hell's going to win this Kyrgios Medvedev match. <laughs> uh, but obviously that's not most people watching. Anyway, there, there will be kind of spoilers uh, coming up. Uh, Gruskin, I, I want to give you a chance just off the start. You you told me that you uh, you read my YouTube comment sections. Is there anything you'd like to respond to the people? Well, I just think fundamentally the reason I enjoy working with you is not because I enjoy hearing anything you have to say, but I love hearing from your listeners. It's an active listener base, the Gil Gross YouTube channel, and it's 97% positive. Now, one listener, viewer in jest said I looked like Korg. I don't know how to respond to that. I didn't look up what Korg looks like fundamentally because if I do, I'll just get in my head and I don't want to get that. We None of us want me in that place this early in the series, but it was in jest and I appreciated the spirit of the comment. I always appreciate hearing your listeners' thoughts on what we discuss as well because ultimately this show is for tennis fans. It's to expand the tennis audience as well, which is something I'm sure we will get into as we look at episode number one. But, you know, to your point, yes, of course there are spoilers. We're recapping episodes of a show i do think that's inherent in the title like it's called maverick this is about maverick we're talking about maverick um one other listener quickly said oh it was at like the 40 12 40 minute mark 12 seconds see this is i i truly am reading your comments folks um where i say something i forget what it was but you put your hand on your face and just <laughs> absolute disgust and like listeners like oh i guess this face is just gonna be the theme of the show huh and it's like <laughs> To some extent, yes, that's how we roll, but I will do my best to stay in line. And again, I appreciated the spirit of the comment. It was not, it was meant in a, from a place of love, which is what it's all about. That's why I wanted to shout those uh, commenters out. Yeah, because you were talking about like the 2012 juniors. And I'm yeah. like, what are you <laughs> no, talking about, No, I think about, it was man? when I said Colette Lewis should cover it <laughs> instead of someone else. And you were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, look, the Gilgross fans know who Colette Lewis is. Much love to Colette Lewis, covers <laughs> junior tennis better than anybody. All right, let's let's uh, let's get into this. Episode one. By the way, have you watched ahead or just episode one? <laughs> episode one. Um, no, I have only watched episode one. It's busy times right now. I guess I yeah. will do some plug-in crack rackets. We're reviewing the week every day on the Mini Break podcast because there are still four tour-level events happening. We also have a ton of preview content over on the Great Shot podcast feed. So if you're looking for what's going on in the 2023 tennis world, that's the place for you as such. I literally finished episode one, and I watched it once and then a second time, went back to certain scenes I had highlighted over the past two hours. Like, this is fresh in my mind. I am ready to go. I really like how you reset things. Episode one. Uh, so <laughs> let's rock and roll. Me too. Me too. Uh, I, I want it to be fresh every time I record, mm -hmm. right? Uh, we're not going to, like, watch something and then record on it two days later. None of that. None of that. All right, basic question to start off. 
Did you like it? There's no, there's no better place to start. Did you enjoy it? That's a good interview. Just get to the meat of it. Yes, I did enjoy it. I will say, I think it helps tremendously, and I'll speak for you here as well. We both watched the F1 Drive to Survive series, which the producers of that series helped produce this series as well. It's a very similar feel. It's a very similar atmosphere to uh, atmosphere to how they interview the players, how the players interact with their teams intimately, and you get a chance to see those interactions. It was a precarious situation because they didn't have liberty to follow whomever they wanted. And in tennis, there are more people to follow. There are a hundred, what, 28 people on the men's and women's side. So 256 combined at the start of every major. And episode one focuses on the Australian Open. You didn't have liberty to follow anyone. You had certain players you had to pick from. Do I think they depicted the story of the 2022 Australian Open perfectly? No. Kyrgios was a huge part of it. He wasn't all of it, as it seemed in episode one. Did I like the -the behind-the-scenes look? Did I like how they highlighted the tennis? Did I like the intricacies they took in trying to even explain the scoring format to people who wouldn't otherwise be tennis fans? I liked how they did all of that. I loved the cameos we got from other from commenters, former players. I thought Maria Sharapova was really good in the minute we saw her. I thought Andy Roddick was quite candid. As such, overall, episode number one, if you're asking me to put a grade on it in the opening question, and of course I flipped this right back on you. In my high school, in 89, was an A- minus because they, they that's just how it worked. They didn't curve, but 89 was A-, minus, so I guess inherently they did. I would say it's an A minus 89-90 range. Where was it exceptional? No. There are things I would like to change. Was it good? Yes. I thought it was good. What say you? I'm um I I like the beginning more than the end. I think I, I have an idea. I think I have an idea at this point of what my major issue is gonna be. Ultimately, would I be excited? to show this to to my friends who aren't into tennis, would I say, hey, uh, watch this. I think you're going to kind of gain a, a lot of appreciation for, for this sport from watching this. Yes, um, I do. Uh, did I learn as much as I think I wanted to learn? Not quite. I thought there were some things there. There were some things that, that weren't. Um, so, you know, I'm kind of with you. I enjoyed my viewing, especially the first 20 minutes mm-hmm. and then wait can we oh, unpack that real quick not to not to interrupt no of course you, of course that's what that's what we're gonna let, do yeah let's oh are we gonna do that in a second or you want to do that now let's do that now okay good folks this is early episode quirks we're still working out i thought the first even two and a half minutes the opening credits where they're talking about what the ethos of this show is going to be is and it was very much replicated in the trailer you have these four pillars of the sport maybe if you're making a mount rushmore certainly of 21st century tennis the four faces are very clear it's going to be serena it's going to be roger it's going to be rafa it's going to be novak ultimately all of these players are chasing that shadow And ultimately, all of these players are aspiring to be world number one. And something that's worth remembering as it relates to the sport of tennis is you have to convince yourself you can be the best in the world. Because the moment you don't, that's when you lose it. I know it's a cliche, but it's just you out there. 
And if you don't believe you're the absolute best in any given moment, and that may lead to at times being self-centered, as we certainly saw in episode one, but you just have to have that fundamental belief. And I thought in the opening two and a half minute credit, they did such a good job of clarifying what the scene is. And ultimately, that's the narrative. And maybe as hardcore followers, we find specific things more intricate. Maybe if that's the overarching narrative, how can episode one not be about Iga and Alcaraz is a thought you have in your head. That's a qualm for the hardcore fans we can get to at the end. But I thought that opening two and a half minutes of, hey, here's the theme. I love that. Yeah, like it started, this episode did not start with let's get into Australian yes. Open uh, 2022. It started with like basically a maxed out kind of intro that, yeah, it did kind of play a, a little view. bit like a trailer. Yeah, like, well, it, it's a this is the show, you know, they yeah. started with a this <laughs> is the show. And I thought that the this is the show <laughs> The, the word for it, and this is an overused word that like I uh, I usually hate, but it was kind of epic. Like the the images, the editing, the music. Uh, one thing I liked about it that was different from the rest of the episode is we were seeing all of these different faces. Here's Casper, here's Mateo, here's Stefanos, here's Taylor, you know, here's Nick. And it's kind of like that to me is the tour right where you're you're getting all of these different characters in the same place in close succession and then the other thing i want to point out about the beginning of the episode that was very different from what we saw later in the episode were the the images and the pictures themselves and one of the things that i did see i saw a tweet about it uh before and then now kind of watching it i understood what that tweet meant these matches were being built up as really, really big, particularly the Kyrgios Medvedev match, which you'll remember was the second round match. And when they walk out to the stadium and it's a dramatized moment in the dock, and I want to get into this. This was one of the things I wanted to dig into. The stadium is not full. And how that relates to the beginning scenes is the way, the way this was with this dramatized montage montage packed off Arthur Ashe, center court Wimbledon, packed Rod Laver, right? The different colors, the close-ups, long shots, like the sport just looked absolutely beautiful and awesome in that, in that first three, four minutes, right? And I thought that was pretty impactful, like things that people who watch shows and movies talk about all the time, like mise-en-scene, cinematography, all right? These are super pretentious words, but if you are applying them to a tennis docuseries, the first segment, the, the intro, it killed it. It was gorgeous to look at. And uh, now you had some, some images later on that were actually less impressive. So I want to stop talking and let you respond to that. Well, how you know I'm not a TV critic, I say the first two and a half minutes were outstanding, and you say, yeah, that's what they used to set up the show, and in my head, all I think is, yeah, duh, Alex, like, no, <laughs> like, how could you not realize the first two and a half minutes would be used to set up the show and show these beautiful images, and dare I say, try to hook you in, let's just say they succeeded, you know, I would add something else to the appeal of the first 20 minutes, and I think a key detail you pointed out was the inclusion of people, not not just the subject of the show, but also other characters in those first five minutes, and then surrounding significant 
thinkers in our sport, dare I say people I like to call the tennis intelligentsia, people like Andy Roddick and Maria Sharapova and Courtney Nguyen, obviously the fantastic WTA journalist who probably needs more introduction to casual fans. Um, I love, you know, again, I have some quotes where Roddick called Kyrgios a part-time player and said he views the sport as a hobby and then also subsequently subsequently goes on to say I also wish I had his talent and like again Sharapova talking about the essence of a slam event why it is the most significant how she gets goosebumps just thinking about it yeah it might be a little bit of hyperbole for the camera it worked on me like you had me hooked and we'll talk about this I'm sure in more depth later so I'm not going to elaborate too much on it now but when you focus on an individual tennis player you realize how lonely the life is in as a top player in the sport. And I think the first 20 minutes, the sport felt lively. The sport felt exciting. Yeah. The sport like it felt like it had serious air in it, that there were a lot of different compelling things to get excited about. And then you got into the life of Kyrgios, which there were fascinating moments of. But certainly, again, it shows how individualized, how consuming – one has to uh, the sport can be for one person and we ha had to be consumed by an individual for a single episode yeah i mean the thematic focus of the i'm not a was... film critic but thematic focus gil gross might be a film critic <laughs> <laughs> it, it was what you said it was about the pressure and the one-on-one -on -one. like yeah it, that was what when they were like okay let's sell tennis in the first 10 minutes here. I know we keep saying how many minutes and it keeps changing. Just bear with us. Uh, we didn't take timestamps. <laughs> uh, the, the let's sell the sport here right off the bat was a lot about, oh my God, there's thousands of people like Maria saying there's thousands of people watching and, and writing about what you say and giving an opinion I and, wish. and it's, it's only you. Yeah, exactly. You're the only one out there. Like those are the kinds of things they're selling. And then you have the imagery of these packed stadiums with one lonely person on the court um, and, you know, training, intense training and close-ups and sweat and uh, Mateo shirtless in the training room, you know, just play the hits. You, you did not, you did not, uh, I want to uh, wrap up this, this topic though about the stadiums. The stadiums were empty in some of those intros and I saw people kind of comment that when they were walking on the court. If you have ever been to a major event, you understand why that is. From watching the show, you obviously don't. You know, the experience of going to a tennis tournament is that it's a full day. It's not like going to a hockey game in the playoffs. It's not like going to uh, a, a big, you know, fight if you're going to boxing or, or UFC. It's not like that. It's a it's a day, which means you come at 11 a.m., you break for lunch, you break for dinner, you are at another match, and you're late to the other match that you want to watch. You go socialize and, and have a drink. So, like, the fact that not everyone is in their seats when they're building up this huge moment and Kyrgios walks out and Medvedev walks out, I thought that was a moment where um, on the intro they could pick and choose those images and only take the best. Once they got to that point, they couldn't pick and choose. It didn't look quite as impressive. We understand why. They maybe wouldn't understand why. 
Well, the other thing I would add is that match was either on a Tuesday, a Wednesday, or a Thursday. You know, it, yeah. it wasn't on a weekend. That's part of the burden of having these two-week-long events for the sport. That said, I don't blame the show for not explaining that. I, You know, it's interesting. As a tennis fan, you're right. I'm more accustomed to seeing crowds, and when they're not full, I don't blink an eye at it. Maybe as a – especially given the hyping of that Kyrgios in front of a home crowd, this might be his last match as it was framed on the show – I understand why you would point it out here for fans who might not understand otherwise. I don't blame the show for not discussing it because they were getting still, you know. And it was fascinating because not only did Courtney explain it to the viewer, but you see, what's his name? Horse, I think is his name. Horse, yeah. Yeah. Nickname of the show. Shout out to Horse. (laughs) Um, If I would have known that was his nickname, how have I not made a horse joke on Twitter at any point uh, in my life? Horse is explaining it to Kyrgios's girlfriend, um, you know, the rules of tennis and what the score looks like. And Courtney did the same thing, explaining it to the viewer. Hey, here's how the score yeah. works. And they didn't even get into 15, 30, 40 game as, and what love means and why zero is a cardinal sin. And God, I've never been yelled at like Mike Cation yelling at me for saying, really, you're going to say zero? Like, you know, we have a full term for it. And I was like, okay, it's good to know. Um, anyways, um, I, I it's like – Pick your battles. I think. No, no, no. I. By the way, I'm not. I'm not saying. I'm not saying it yeah. should have been explained. I'm just saying that was one moment. No, it's fair. That that I was striking to me, like, oh, uh, how does this come off when you are building yeah. up this okay. dramatic, dramatic moment? And I do want to move on from this. When you're building this up, massive match, Grand Slam, Kyrgios, and then it's like they walk out, and you're seeing a half full stadium. It just struck me, like, oh, okay, wow, that's interesting imagery we get why but it's just something that caught my eye it's fair i agree okay let's go to when it shifts to nick we both agree the strongest it was very very strong in that intro period of explaining what the sport is and showing the characters and yeah i mean i just i just thought they nailed that now we go straight to nick and um you've kind of touched on this but it's they kind of start with everybody's opinion on nick and I thought this was really, really, really strong. And it brings us some, it brings us some quotes. Casper Rude says he's the most talented player of our generation. Uh, McEnroe says he's the most talented tennis player that we've seen in ten years. Tsitsipas says he becomes a devil when he enters the court. Which one of those do you want to talk about? Well. Not a bad guy, but a devil on the court, I think, is the key for the Pass context, right? Because he, he goes out of his way to start the quote by saying he's not a bad guy, but he's a devil on the court. Like, mm-hmm. that was he, noticeable. He turns into a devil is what Yeah, it was Steph just – I and was it Rude or Berrettini who called Kyrgios the most talented player of his generation? I don't know. Did I mess it up in my notes? I mean, I saw a tweet that said it was Berrettini. I wrote that it was Rude. I think it was Berrettini because I have Berrettini in my notes as well. Tiebreaker. Um, yeah, that's yeah. You can go check it out. Um, McEnroe most ten years was noticeable. It just is evident that they recognize what we recognize. And again, the TV shots were cooked. It's the Curios episode, but they showed a flash of a player, like multiple players, watching Curios match on TV, and like all that proves is that tennis players, hardcore tennis fans casual tennis fans, sports fans who see there's tennis on TV in July when nothing else is on, you see Kyrgios is on and you're compelled automatically. And I think they did a good job of conveying why that's the case. 
early on by conveying these opinions of notable players, notable people, notable peers in Kyrgios' life. Um, now, again, I wish they would have highlighted more of the tennis. That'll be one of my qualms, perhaps, as we get through this show. Is just, I think tennis, the athleticism in tennis, there's a head coach in Division One college tennis, the Ohio State men's tennis coach, Ty Tucker, who once said, I don't understand why tennis players don't all wear a size smaller clothing. And his argument was they're all ridiculous athletes and they're all shredded. There's not an ounce of fat on any of them. And you can't tell because they don't dress like that's the case. I think there's an athleticism in tennis that when you have close-up looks at the quickness, the changing of speed, how hard they're hitting the ball, I wish that was conveyed more in episode one. Now, I'm reserving judgment because we haven't seen, you know, the, the remainder of the series. Maybe that is something they do more of moving on. But I talked, you know, you hear what from Kyrgios's peers why he's so compelling. Show his tennis. Like, you showed the serve, but it's not just the serve. It's the shot making. It's the feel at the net. It's the consistency of the backhand. It's the total package that makes Nick Kyrgios so compelling. And I, I feel like, you know, again, you have these notable people saying these, Andy Roddick saying, I wish I had his talent. Why do you wish you had his talent, Andy? And I just wish that would have been shown as well. I don't think I agree. Okay. Uh, I think enough was done. First of all, the way the the tennis is edited where you know you have the advantage of doing a director's cut after the fact and you get those close-ups and you get the speed like if if you're looking at a sport like f1 the way it's shot does a lot um of work in just describing the speed and yeah they you know explain the g-forces and stuff uh and and some of those technicalities but I think once you get to a certain level of depth, like this is not the setting to explain tennis. This is not the setting to talk about, all right, like this is what a flat, this is the effect of a flat backhand and yeah, like, but something where, that you're... where I disagree is that if you're trying to attract a casual fan, don't you have to show off how difficult the sport is? Isn't that what I makes sports so compelling? I don't so think you can. Is... I don't think you can. Okay. Fair. I mean, fair. I, that, no, okay. I get it. It's 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 fine. It'll be a common theme. Like yeah. we can let's we can loop back to this. Okay. Um, I was surprised that Berrettini said that. By the way, um, yeah. he's the most talented player of our generation. I, I would just think that players would have, um, just a little bit of, and I don't think it's a ridiculous thing to say. And when when he says our generation, I don't know. I guess. Nick is 27 or 97. Now. Sure, sure. Okay. So I don't think that's necessarily wrong. I'm surprised Mateo would say that because I think that there is some pride in like a, there should be almost a, you know, hard work. Billie Jean King said hard work is talent. That's a quote or persistence is talent. I, I do think that if I'm like Mateo, it's like, whoop de doo talent. What does that mean? Like, you put in the work, the results speak for themselves. Anyway, that was interesting. I thought that was a strong part of the show. Let's go on to when they look at his team. Uh, you mentioned Daniel Horsefall, who is, of course, just horse. Like, yeah, if I knew yeah. someone named Horsefall, they would become horse. For sure. Hmm? Nick's manager, redhead, childhood friend. And then you go to Castine. Uh, Castine, I don't, I don't have her last name. Um, we get kind of the origin story. They met online. That's kind of funny to me. He's Nick Kyrgios. He has to go to apps. I mean, he's also Nick Kyrgios and he's going on apps. 
I just I don't know my my vision and look. Yeah, I but think it's there's not a lot the of... apps that you're thinking of. It's the it's famous not? people apps. No, there's a whole dude. Other what? Level. There's I'm sorry. Is there something I'm not aware of? There's apps. Yeah, because you're for, the first. Where like if you it's wait famous till you people do the, the second shift on T2 and then you'll get access to this app. But it's like yeah, there's a famous people dating app where you have to be famous to. I mean, and I think it's you have to be famous guys get on it and then it's a different sort of selection of humans. okay and costine is a was a a or is a no i don't know if that's the case or not well she's I'm... not i'm just saying she's not that famous she's pretty fit she's very successful in in her sphere but as far and maybe i maybe i'm totally off on this and yeah, costine's saying, a really big deal here's the difference you've had a girlfriend for a while now and I'm not saying I'm speaking from experience. I just think uh, the online thing is way more common than you are giving it credit for. Oh, oh, I'm I'm aware. That's just what you do these days. Yeah. But so I just, again, I just would think if you're curious, it's different. Okay. But I gotta well, I gotta here's pull the some... difference. Is and you saw them in an interaction later where she was like, "Oh, you're Nick Curious, famous tennis player, right?" Like she knew who he was. It wasn't as simple as like slide right for Nick. 27 years old, likes. Well, he probably doesn't have tennis in said dating profile. He's like, oh, they're probably like, why are you in all Nike? And he's like, oh, I happen to play tennis, but it's not in any of his interests. You know, because anyways, I'm not getting into the structure of dating profiles. Do you want to do Nick's hypothetical dating profile? What do you think he's like? What is your biggest fear? What do you think he says? Like fourth round, fifth set, Rafa. No, I want to get the show back on track. <laughs> Okay. Um, is what I want to do. So Castine comes in though, but like she's a big deal with Nick's whole thing last season. Because whenever you ask Nick, like, hey, like, what's the secret? Sure. What's going on here? You're playing really well. Every time he was just like, you know, oh, I've I found happiness and it has a lot to do with her. Or he would say something cryptic, like, you know, it all has to do with the people around me. And then he would like glance to Castine in the corner of the press room. Right. So um I thought I liked that we got introduced to these people and got to know a little bit more backstory, a little bit more understanding. Do you feel like they did enough there? And did you have any major takeaways with with Nick's team? Yeah, it's tough because it's only one month. And again, for casual tennis fans, you might not know the story of Nick, who, unlike most top players, doesn't travel around with a physio, with a coach, any of that sort of team around him. But for so long, the question has been if Nick had someone in his life who could just keep things steady, who could just ensure he's where he needs to be on time, he's getting his practice time and all these different things, he has someone in his corner that that would be a major positive influence on his life. Now, he's known Horse for a while, but it's very clear he has that guy in his corner in Horse. Like, that is his go-to guy who keeps him on track, who, you know, tries to rein him in when things go a little bit, uh, get a little bit too chaotic. A guy who is always in his matchbox cheering him on and sending him positive thoughts. Obviously, his girlfriend as well is now a part of that team. I mean, it was one month. And it was a month they showed where he happened to be doing a lot of winning, right? So it it, it 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 it's interesting as you look big picture at this episode. It showed Kyrgios at his best. We didn't get to see any tough stretches. We didn't get to see any rough patches. Even when he blows up in individual matches, so often that happens in a vacuum and is not indicative of any bigger trend. That said, again, you see the influences in his life. 
you saw him talking about his practice schedule a little bit, what that looks like for him, how he thinks about how he where his place is as a tennis player. It was certainly illuminating, but again, it didn't tell the entire story, right? So it's tough to say. Yeah, well, let's. They try to tell his backstory, his villain backstory. Mm -hmm. And this was a significant moment, I thought, in, you know, the legacy, I would say, of this first episode is you now have to explain what the baggage is with Nick Kyrgios, why he is not just someone who fills the stadiums, which I think they they tried to, they did try to address that with how he's unpredictable, how he keeps people on the edge of their seats with his emotions, his temper, and his shot making. I thought that kind of got in there. You know, they kept showing that like, you know, front facing tweener and behind the back, like they really did. And his celebrations after points, they got into all of that. But then there was a segment where they tried to say, like, he was painted as a villain. Let's go back in time. From the Kyrgios win at Wimbledon 2014, uh, which, by the way, I do want to make sure this nugget gets in the show um, because I don't know if I'll have chances to say this. I predicted that. (laughs) I predicted Kyrgios. I just didn't have a YouTube channel at the time. I agree. Many have thought it was on the Syracuse message boards. Yeah, it was I, I my dad, you could ask him. Um I don't think they did a good job here. In in explaining like here's why Nick Kyrgios is controversial and we're going to explain this in 2 minutes, which is how long you have. I do not think they did a good job. Well, here's the thing. They may later in the series. And so that's where you reserve the right to No, this shaking. was it. I disagree. You I don't disagree. Think maybe this episode was 8 or 9 no. when they get into because he was very compelling from Wimbledon through the U.S. Open. So you don't think they're going to talk about him more? No, this was the intro to Nick Kyrgios. Why would you go back in time down the road? Like this was, we're going to tell the Kyrgios deal. And and they and they literally did it. They're like, we're going to explain his villain well, origin. They, they framed it wrong because they framed it as he has always had these expectations on him. And the burden of that pressure is why is it? conceived as a villain is because at times he hasn't met those expectations and tennis fans resent him for that you're absolutely right that was the framing in my opinion I just disagree and I agree with you in the fact that that is a disingenuous framing of why Nick Kyrgios is resented by so many different tennis fans and again I'm not saying I feel this way but I think the reason for that resentment is as Berrettini and McEnroe and Roddick and all these people alluded to Nick Kyrgios is very good at tennis. That's never been the problem for Nick Kyrgios. The actual hitting of a tennis ball, serve, forehand, backhand, volleys, returns, etc. He's always been very good at that. The question has always been, as he alluded to throughout the course of this episode, his commitment. And when tennis fans resent and not inform Nick who shows up after not playing for a couple of months and doesn't give and doesn't perform at his best level and that creates resentment amongst fans that's the source of the resentment and you're right this episode doesn't explain that wait a second this is a guy no but it's not about him not it's not because he hasn't won slams it's because he just hasn't played the way you need to play to be a uh, a consistent guy in the mix which is what he clearly has the ability to be 
No, that's Bublik. That's not Kyrgios. The the reason Kyrgios oh, I is... I think Bublik is Kyrgios with worse press. I know, but I disagree with that because Bublik has never been on probation. Bublik has sure. not been fined multiple well, no, you're times. Right. There's like, that as well. How do you... Right, so the doc took a moment to say, this episode one took a moment to say, Nick Kyrgios was painted as a villain, right? And Nick Kyrgios was a villain. Cool. It's not hard to, to show why. It's not hard to show that he was fined over and over and over again, uh, you know, fined multiple times, I don't know exactly how many times, for tanking matches. It's not hard to show the Kokonakis girlfriend moment with Stan Wawrinka. Uh, like these things, this is what happened with Nick Kyrgios becoming a polarizing figure. No, and, and the tweets. And the dom and now that and something you mentioned in episode zero, the domestic violence thing that is now ongoing yeah. with with the previous relationship. So, it, it would not be hard in two minutes just to paint that picture. And guess what? It would not be a picture that I think would make Kyrgios a less compelling character. Quite the contrary, it makes him a more compelling character. And I know there is a trend in documentary. Michael Jordan was a producer on The Last Dance. Naomi Osaka has a documentary on Netflix where she produced it. Serena and Venus had a big hand in King Richard. I would hope that this is not that, that they are willing to tell hard truths because this is not a, a production that, that needs to be, and I understand there's investment from the ATP. Maybe that has something to do with it, but I just wish that they were willing to tell hard truths here just for two minutes in explaining why Nick Kyrgios is a polarizing figure, and they shied away from that. You're absolutely right. I, I suppose my point is that I think the underlying frustration for tennis fans is that all the antics you listed, which, for the, by the way, I should have listed as well. They just are so clear to mind the cracking of rackets, the audible obscenities, swearing, which, again, to me, not a big deal. But there are kids Agreed. in the audience who can't be screaming at the chair umpire, multiple F-bombs, and you know, telling at the crowd to shut the f*** up and all these different things. And, uh, you know, again, that's why he gets point penalties. That's why he's been fined. There have been other things as well that have all accumulated. It's that on top of the general ethos that he doesn't care about the sport. And all we ask yeah. for as fans is that you care because if we're going to watch you, we care that you care that we care that we're watching you. And thus that care is reflected in the performance on court. And there are times when you can tell. And by the way, as an individual, Nick Kyrgios is allowed to not care. He has yeah. made multiple second weeks at slams. He is allowed to be whatever he wants to be as a tennis player again. I do not feel this way. I'm saying there are tennis fans who certainly do feel this way and aren't afraid to be loud about it. And you're absolutely right to get back full circle where we agree. They didn't get into that in this episode. It was mostly a rosy, certainly an informative uh, look at Nick Kyrgios, but definitely rosy uh, for the most part. Yeah. And and, 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 look, and, I, I and don't maybe think... undeservingly so is the argument. Maybe. You know, and I'm not calling for like a, a, a negative image to be portrayed of Nick sure. Kyrgios. In fact, if they just told all of those one. things, yeah, ju just be honest again. I don't think, I don't think it makes him uh, a character. Uh, people like flawed characters. Yeah, seriously, like people we said are it into at the that. Start. Everyone was glued to the TV watching him. Players, yeah. fans, everyone. There's a there's a reason he's episode one. Yeah, uh, one of the backdrops 
that that I want to bring up is uh, this whole thing about this being Curios's last Australian Open. That was a theme. It popped up a couple of times um, out of Curios's mouth. Even I, I actually think that was mostly where it came from. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? I do. That was a big thing, and it happened a couple. It was like a year and a half ago at the City Open. I want to say 2021, where he did the same thing. This might be my last time in DC, and it was all kind of leading up to that Australian Open, where if he didn't do well, he's going to fall outside the top 100. What would the motivation be? He's not going to go play challengers. That's not who Kyrgios is, and that narrative. Because you make that point, and I'm glad that the episode did reflect this. He was the one saying it, and so I do remember that being a big part of the Australian Open, and obviously he goes on to have, I say obviously, Nick had his best season of his career in 2022, makes the Wimbledon final. So much of the energy, the positivity he brought throughout the course of the season was a direct byproduct of him and Tenacity winning the Australian Open, how much that meant to him, the gratification of just after all these disappointments. Finally, you win. You have the entire country behind you. I do remember that being a big thing because it, it propelled him forward. It was like, wait, I won? All right, I got to keep playing. Hmm. So funny because, I mean, I remember at analyzing the Medvedev-Kyrgios match. Uh, I don't think that was on my mind at all. Uh, but it was on, you know, Robbie Koenig was on the world feed for Tennis Australia. It was certainly on his mind. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Robbie, Robbie's got his finger on the pulse. Robbie might get an Emmy for Best Supporting Actor. Dude. He got a lot of time. Yeah. Did he get some yeah. voice work in, like, the British Justice League. <laughs> uh, Robbie did every Nick match, apparently. Yeah. So um, he's he's awesome for this like i think yeah. he's also just a great commentator in general but for this especially he is so it's robbie it's just good he's very good in sound bites he's yeah. excellent he's in sound bites uh okay um let's just go to like now they go to kind of curios and and kokonakis um kind of running through the doubles draw and this is where i i felt if it, it kind of went down a little bit for me in terms of how compelling it was. Uh, what'd you think of just, first of all, the way the tennis, I will say I did like the way the tennis looked. I thought they were making tennis look fun, exciting, engaging. I liked the way it was edited, shot, the audio was mixed. Um, the sport looked fun with, uh, I saw someone do a shoey. Do you know what that is, Gruskin? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I love that. I, I like that we got a shoey in there. Uh, but... It wasn't, and maybe it's because I knew what was going to happen. I wasn't like glued to the whole like Kyrgios and Kokonakis doubles revenge plotline. See, the revenge was ridiculous. Like that was a fabricated element. I loved the Kokonakis Kyrgios time together on the screen, the time of those two talking, because that's genuine yeah. friendship. And all you want to see again is honesty reflected in these episodes if it's going to be a documentary. And there is a genuine and honest fondness and trust between those two that they're willing to speak candidly. And, you know, the worst thing in the world is they start talking about how, well, remember, we used to only get three hours of sleep before we'd go and practice for four or five hours. And we were so excited about going out the night that night that that's what fueled us. I wanted to be like, go on. Like, these are the stories we want to hear. And we were on the precipice of something really fun in that van ride. And 
again, I wish we would have gotten more about what's going through Kokonakis's head when Kyrgios is blowing up on court. Again, I think the tennis would have been more compelling had they shown more of the doubles because doubles in itself can be very fun, very quick, very captivating in short bursts, which is all you're going to get in a series like this of the sport. It was certainly repetitive in how they approached each match, how the different things look. I love the quote from the press conference of Kyrgios being like, we're going to rest, we're going to get a recovery, get a training session, and he goes, F like, look at me. I, I'm, I'm talking serious for once. Like, those are the things you don't remember those little sound bites of that I'm glad they highlight those moments of honesty. Again, the problem for this, for tennis fans, something they'll be most frustrated about that we keep alluding to is, okay, this is Kyrgios in a good week. The weeks where he doesn't care, what do those weeks look like? And again, that's why Kokonakis was a great uh, a great uh, supporting actor in this episode because he brought out the best in Nick. And that's what this episode was all about is painting Nick in that best picture. Yeah. You're not going to really get a Nick that doesn't care in yeah. 2022 because it didn't really happen. It didn't uh, happen Do you once. feel the same way, by the way, about that tanaki Kyrios friendship? And yes, yes. No, excellent. Excellent point by you. That was really uh, that was really good to see them interacting together. Uh, there was some like, hey, like, can you ask, can you ask Tanasi about some other things about Nick? Uh, yeah, that that wasn't in there. Uh, that would be a great question if if I was the producer of a documentary. Nick is smashing his racket, going at Carlos Bernardes, going at James Kiathavong. Like, what are those moments like on court? Yeah, like, are you thinking in your head, like, dude, shut the f*** up. Like, right now <laughs> is not the time. Like, that's what yeah. I want to hear because, look, you guys won it. And in winning comes the most honesty. You get to say th – like, I remember – it's been 42 minutes since episode two, so we can say this. When we won our club tennis nationals, I remember afterwards being like, dude, when you try to hit to my doubles partner, uh, after the match, I was like, dude, when you tried to hit the drop shot on this drop volley, he loved to hit drop volleys on high volleys because he wanted to be fancy. I was like, dude, you have the most gifted shoulder I've ever seen. Just smash the ball away. Like, stop hitting the drop volleys. I wanted to punch you in the face every time you did that. You'd feel like now would be the moment where Kokonakis could have been like, all I wanted to say is, Nick, now is not the time. But I couldn't say that or whatever it may be. And you just feel like they could have gotten it if they just pried a little more. Yeah, or I, I don't know that that would have been his perspective. I'm not saying that. Yeah, exactly. You're or the that, other but, way, where it's but, like, yeah. no, I know to ride this out, and here's why. Like, yeah. whichever way they go would have been delightful. Yeah. Uh, what makes these good, though, uh, as a whole, I think what will make or break these episodes are those little quotes, those little moments that that make you laugh, that pique your interest. So at the end of every episode. Uh, we're going to do some of these kinds of run-through takeaways that we might miss in the broader discussion. Um, let's start with something that we didn't discuss off-air before the show. I'm going to put you on the spot, but I'll like go it. first. Where did you laugh? Like, what was a moment where, <laughs> where you know, you got wow. a kick out of it? All right. And for me, there were... Should I take two moments or should I just take one so that no, I'm less two, likely to take No, take refresh my memory. Okay. Uh, Nick trying to pee for the doping test. <laughs> and he's video chatting. Yeah, he's he's video chatting uh, his girlfriend being like, babe, I can't pee. I can't pee, babe. <laughs> and she's like, you got a drink. And then he shows her uh, the piss in the, in the cup. And she's like, don't show me that. Uh, that was funny. 
And then the other one was like 10-year-old Nick wait, Kyrgios. Wait. Before you get to 10, that was funny. And I, I mean, again, I don't know how much we want to get into this. You would know better than me, given how long you and Jen have been relate uh, have been dating. That's just things you do. Like, totally. if you're in the middle of a urine test and you're on the phone <laughs> with someone who you like enough to be FaceTiming with, you're one thousand percent showing them your pee. Like, let's just totally. be honest as human Absolutely. beings. If you have a funny bone in your body, you're doing that. Like, I draw the line at number two. But if it's just pee, pee is harmless. Like, that's just a funny move. I agree. Great call. 100%. Uh, the second moment where I laughed uh, was 10-year-old Nick Kyrgios in his chubby phase. And if yeah. you didn't know, it's you me. learned in this episode, you he was chubby. Yeah. He was um, – and – he does a dance and flips off. Yeah, the, the flipping off just, was so. Oh, good. that was good. Yeah, it's a good call by you. Let me just say, someone who also started out chubby but got skinny through tennis, I, I, it resonates with me. And that the flipping off is just prime Nick. That's him in his most elemental state. It's it was delightful to see. I mentioned it earlier. Tenassi talking about them training and going out and then Tenassi saying, but I'm ready for another cycle of that right now. Like meaning let's win Australia and then let's party a little bit. Mm -hmm. That was delightful. Nick's mom laughing at her own joke. Just because if you have a mom who thinks they're funny, they'll say a joke and then they'll laugh at their own joke. And it, what makes it so funny is how sold they are on the joke. And she, when she was talking about him looking younger and she was like, I thought he looked like a girl. And then she starts laughing really hard. That brought a smile on my face. I was like, Oh, that's adorable. Um, and then the name horse, like shout out to horse. That's great. That's, that was, I was locked in. I was like, um, you have my attention, everyone. Yes. Uh, next one is best quote. We're probably going to do this every time. Uh, did, do you have a quote that stood out? I'd go with Roddick. Again, the candidness. Part-time player, treats it like a hobby, yet I wish he, I had his talent. Like, if you're going to get those sorts of candid takes from everyone, from Berrettini talking about the generation, although I'm sure that's souped up a little for the producers, McEnroe, most talented in 10 years. And I told you, John McEnroe, was going to be in this series. I told you, Gil. So one for Alex, zero for Gil. Um, it's the Roddick quotes. Like, that's what drew me in in the first 20 minutes, where I'm like, you know what? I am interested in Nick Kyrgios because that's a big thing for Andy Roddick, who I think is very recognizable to say. I kind of liked when Kyrgios and Kokonakis left the court, I think after the semifinal. There's been a lot of uh, mm -hmm. talk about how well, there Kyrgios... was Twitter beef between the doubles teams, in, and they didn't show that. But Yes, it, it wasn't Twitter beef. Apparently, there was a fight in the training room. Mm -hmm. um, thanks for bringing that up. So, Kyrgios tweeted about it, right, where there was a little altercation in the training room. And I commented, I replied on Twitter way back then, uh, was Netflix there? And it got like a thousand, my reply got like a thousand likes. Everybody, because I was just, I was just the first to, to say it. And then Yo, everyone was Jose like, Morgado Gross. Yeah, everyone was like, yes, like that's the question to ask. So everybody liked it. And uh, Nick didn't reply. The answer is no. Um, I, I, I guess it's kind of weird. Like, I wish Netflix was, man, hmm, where was yeah, that? That was a miss. That was, that would have added a wrinkle. Um, anyway, when Nick leaves the court and he goes, don't F with us in Kia Arena. We move diff. <laughs> like that, 
that kind of thing right off the court and like why is he talking about kia arena like yeah but that was good that was funny that was it a was good funny moment. yeah it was funny. it's like how every player now says this is my house after they win that was curious is this is my house moment yeah i mean but the the most fascinating quote kind of section was yeah when like basically they had everybody in montage form weigh in on nick and there was Can a lot I also of give there. one more interesting quote was when yeah. uh i almost called him moose when horse was explaining scoring to Kiros's girlfriend. This is for the hardcore fans, but anyone who's a hardcore fan who's gone to tennis with someone who's not has had that conversation. And like, shout out to Horse, because you just are. There are times when you're like, you didn't have to come. Like, if you didn't know the scoring, that's how my attitude is always. Like, dude, I don't want to sit here and explain the scoring to you. Like, I get. I'm appreciating your casual interest you will intuitively figure it out and I will answer your, again, maybe it's because I have to answer it so frequently. I actually don't mind it all. I'll answer it every time, but don't let the truth be in the way of a good story. Um, I just, it just resonated with me. I'm like, I've had that conversation a thousand times. The way it, the way it hit me was, wow, you're like front row on Rod Laver in the player's and box. You don't know the score. And you don't know the score. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's how it hit They're me. They're living. Shout out to online dating. Yeah, Costine. Uh, I bet she knows the score now. Um, yeah. How, most frustrating to people who watch tennis. They didn't talk about tie breaks. Literally, when they were explaining how sets work, first to six, and they didn't say, but what happens at six all? Every tennis fan was like, they didn't <laughs> say what happens at six all. And like, you just know every tennis fan in their head said it. Like, don't lie to yourself. When they were explaining the scoring, did you think in your head, oh, they're not going to explain tie breaks, I see. Yes. yes yeah, I did we all thought it. And so yeah. that's the moment where every tennis fan is going to be like, oh, that's a little casual. Um, it's not I hard, think, right? You just say, you got to win by two. And at six all, you play a tie break. No, I, I well... Again, that's why I hate having the conversation. No, I'm just saying. No, no. Uh, all, all, all I'm saying is, is it's not, it's not like cumbersome to to do it. It takes, it well, takes an extra five seconds. This is why I said tennis fans will find it most frustrating. Your response yeah. right there had to be on the list. Um, again, I think tennis fans will have wanted more tennis. I think we talked about that. They didn't talk about Nick's relationship with tennis fans. Why it is where it is. That's one thing. Oh, by the way, I forgot this in the best quote. Horse. Oh, well, you know what? I'll get to it in a second because we have another category coming up that I think will fit with my story well. Um, I think they'll want more tennis. Yeah, more tennis, more, uh, you know, more honesty about where Nick's relationship, not honesty, but just more revealing moments in Nick's history within the sport. And yeah, like that they didn't show the semifinal controversy or final or whatever it was. Those would be the things. By the end of this series, my goal is to get you to do this properly and to pick one. Oh, was I only supposed to pick one? <laughs> you never said that. I I heard a plural. Well, no, no. This is this Wait, is. Wait, didn't award. I offer these segments? Well, you did, but I feel like the point of at the end of the show, like the wrap up thing, yeah. to like just like <laughs> it's true. No pick rules. awards is where you pick one. You should you, have you, known. You... I don't do rules in my segments. That's a good rule to have moving forward. We will do that moving okay. forward. Okay. Okay. Um, so yeah, I think, do you want to answer by the way? I have, I'll add one to, I'll add one I to stole the list. Them all. I, yeah, see, I see now why the one would work. We're, we're going back in time here. You know, that that's my, it might be a little bit weird. Episode two. Now we're going to have yeah. to go backwards, right? Because yeah, no Barty talk like special K was cool. Barty also won the Australian open. 
Well, yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to have those kinds of things. Let's see if Barty gets in the next one. No, but I'm um, saying that's what tennis fans will get I just don't understand, and we'll, we'll talk about this more in depth. Why can't we do this, like, simultaneously side by side? Like, why yeah. Why do we need to have Curios Kokonakis episode, and now we do singles episode? Like, with that's how they kind of do it in F1. No, they don't. It's... It's, yeah, but there's only 20 teams, so it's like let's not let's not get into the rabbit hole. We're, yeah, we're deep yeah, into yeah. this it's one, tough. but it's tough. I, I, I don't. It's a good question. It's a really good question to ask. Yeah, like uh, I wish we did two episodes. That's the Australian Open episodes, and you can feature Mateo and Isla and Nick and Tanasi it within those two episodes, but not do Nick and Tanasi. Okay, next episode, Mateo Isla. Anyway, um, let's see how it plays out. All right, last one. Who won the episode? All right, this is the perfect moment for the story. So another outstanding quote, outstanding moment. Early on, when they're getting into the Kyrgios background and they're introducing the team around him, Horse gets a text on his phone, and he says, Nick, it's your mom. She says, good morning. I miss you. I love you. Kisses, whatever it is. And to have a friend in your life who gets those texts from your mom, who, you know, there are times when immature mid-20s men such as myself don't respond to their mothers as much as they should and to have that again i go back to a club tennis story i lost my phone on the bus from the rental car place to the airport on the way back from nationals so i didn't have it for like a month and my dear friend michael azaparty was responsible for fielding calls and texts from my dad and passing messages along to me. And he was the horse in my life for like a month straight. And like, again, horse is the biggest winner because if you're a tennis fan, you know what he goes through. If you're a casual fan, you now see he is the person who coordinates everything. Like, everyone in their life aspires to have a horse. And horse is the guy. So to me, he's the biggest winner of episode one. Yeah, that's a fantastic pick. Horse might be is he's up there for the biggest things that we learned about hundred percent in this show is like oh there's, there's that's horse. the guy you always yeah. ask who's the guy it's like oh a horse you thought he was because he's always in the player box but now you yeah. know like oh he's the guy and it's also it's cool it's a cool thing yeah. you know childhood mates as they were and horse say. and and his name is horse so a uh, good pick I'm gonna use this last question to make a point I don't think I like and I'm it. gonna say and I'm gonna say nobody I'm gonna say nobody won the Ooh. episode. Because, look, this was very much about Nick after the intro. And I don't think anybody would go into this episode who didn't like Nick before and decide they like him. Sure. I don't think there's anyone who would like, certainly not the other way. There's nobody who likes Nick, watches this, and now doesn't like Nick. So I'm going to say that there's no winner here. Uh, I, I, that's not to completely pan the episode. I would like if, if it invoked a more, you know, emotional kind of response towards Nick, that would be ideal. We didn't get there. And that's why I don't know if I answered your grade question. That's why I would probably give this episode, um, a B because on enjoyment, I rank it. I rate it high. I really did enjoy it, but on on coming away with anything kind of profound or useful or interesting, I would rate it pretty low. And that's why I land on a B. Well, let me ask you this, and this should actually be our last question for every show. Did it grow the game? Like, 
because that's the purpose of this show, right? Ultimately, as a tennis fan, as a tennis ecosystem, you hope this show grows fandom. You hope more people are compelled to follow the sport. Did this episode accomplish that, yes or no? I would say yes. Um, I would say... Interesting. Yeah, I would say, especially because the, the first 15, 20 minutes kicked so much Yeah. I, I, I again, would feel... I would feel ready to show this to someone who's not into tennis but a you know who's a sports fan and i would say watch this i think you'll like it so in that in that sense yes i would say no but i would say that same fan would feel compelled to watch more that's my feeling coming out of episode one is no this isn't the selling point but i want to watch more because they have something first of many this was fun episode one maverick of breakpoint thanks so much everybody for watching please uh, rate and review on podcasts and leave a comment to Is this weigh what Cork in would do? on your thoughts. I don't want to talk about what you're doing right now. For Alex Gruskin, I am Gil Gross. This has been Breakpoint Episode 1. Let's roll.